0: All right, church. Good morning. Welcome to our 845 service, our first service here at Desert Hills. We're excited about what God is doing. I will say this morning as we get ready to get into the message, if you have uh, small children or teenagers that you do not want to uh, have questions uh, later uh, as you go home and have lunch uh, concerning Uh, Things uh, that we'll talk about of a sexual nature if they're here in the service and you want to have them go out in the lobby Or you want to take them to children's church I I just want to recommend that you do so if that's what you are so inclined to do I'm not going to get graphic or anything else But the text that we're going to deal with this morning deals with it and so I wanted to give you a preface Uh, And and let me say this this morning as we get to the text this morning Uh, What we will talk about from the scriptures this morning, I'm not casting stones at anybody. I'm not trying to be judgmental. Um, I don't know everybody's situation, Uh, so just understand that as well. And I am just trying to be faithful in preaching the Bible. And as you preach the Bible and look at the Word of God, here's what it does. It transforms us. It changes us. And that's what we all desire. We want to be changed to become more and more like Jesus Christ. That's called the process of sanctification. Now, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. How many of you are still afraid of the dark? Anybody still afraid of the dark? Anybody? All right. Ah, there we are. Still afraid of the dark. All right, uh, I can't see your hands. Who's still afraid of the dark? Okay, a couple of people still afraid of the dark. All right, let's turn them on. We don't want to scare these people this morning. We're going to talk about this morning living in the light. Living in the light. I heard about a man who was uh, walking home and decided to take a shortcut at night through his local graveyard. He did not know that in the middle of his path was a freshly dug grave and he fell in. He tried as as much as he could to climb out, but the sides were damp and steep, and no matter what he did, he couldn't get out of that grave. So he decided to wait until the morning until maybe a worker came by to help him out. He sat down in the corner of the grave and tried to get as warm and comfortable as possible, and two to three hours later, another fellow came doing the same thing, trying to take a shortcut, and fell in the same grave. He tried climbing out. He tried jumping out. He tried clawing his way out. But no matter what he did, he couldn't get out of that grave. Finally, the man sitting in the corner decided he would advise his fellow grave dweller and said, You'll never make it. And he did. He did. (laughs) Darkness. Why are we afraid of the dark? What is it about the dark that brings consternation and trepidation to our souls. Now, there's an uncertainty in the darkness. It's hard to see while it's dark. Uh, Maybe darkness evokes all kinds of emotions of uh, when you were a young person or a teenager and you stayed up late with your teenage friends and you watched uh, the series of the Friday the 13th uh, volumes and uh, it, it scared you out of your mind. I'm not sure. Darkness. Now, I don't know if you know this, but most crimes are committed under the cover of darkness. In fact, 50% of breaking and entering happens under the cover of darkness. 56% of most strong armed robberies happen under the cover of darkness 59% of rapes and sexual assaults 65% of murders and negligent homicides happen under the cover of darkness and 87% of DWIs and DUIs happen under the cover of darkness now we live in a world of darkness listen to these scriptures says, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes, and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink, uh, which justify the wicked for reward, and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Now, you would have thought Isaiah the prophet was talking about the day in which we live. Woe unto them that call good evil and evil good, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Which brings me to a question this morning. How do we live as children of God, as a child of light? How do we live as a child of God, as a child of light? How do we live in the darkness to which every one of us are a part of? Now, go out in public, turn on the news, read your local next door, and you'll discover that even our local world is a very dark place. Did you know that the U- U.S. State Department says that Arizona is one of the prime transit and destination areas for both sex and labor trafficking in the United States. Did you know that? Did you know that Arizona is the fourth has the fourth highest drug trafficking district in the United States. Did you know that Arizona had in 2020 36,000 violent crimes, up from 15,000 in 1979. Did you know that? Did you know that I was told there was a gun threat at a rivalry football game between Buckeye and Yonker on Friday night? Did you know that? I mean, it's not even powerhouse football. It's Buckeye and Yonker. Think about it. If your kids were there, think about how terrified they were. Did you know... That there was a gun threat, active shooter at Walmart on Australia in Goodyear yesterday. Did you know that? Now, our world is a very dark place. I don't know how many times uh, I have been stolen from, I don't know how many times I've been witness uh, to crimes. I don't know how many times uh, people have told me the stories of terrible things that have happened to them because we live in a very dark place. Now, Ephesus was a place of darkness during the time of Paul. In fact, Ephesus hosted the worship of the multi-breasted goddess Diana, or as the Romans would call her, Artemis. And ritual prostitution was a way of life that was connected to it. In fact, if you were a normal citizen in Ephesus, it was thought a part of the normal normal worship routine for you to indulge yourself in the in the uh, the worship of Artemis by indulging yourself in prostitution. That was the fare of the day cultural acceptance of everything sexual was valid, even exalted, and was a way of life that was deemed normal in Ephesus. Now, because of this, God uses Paul to answer the question for the Ephesians and for us today, how to live as a child of light in a dark world. Now, as we answer the question this morning, we see, first of all, if we are to live in light, we need the right Motivation. If we are to live as a child of light, we need the right motivation. Notice the text, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Paul writing to the church says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Now, each believer should be a follower. The word literally means an imitator of God. Why? Because we are God's children as followers of God. Now, as a child imitates his parents, believers should imitate their heavenly father. Now, as human beings, we don't get it right always as an example. I remember when I was a young, uh, young person about seven years of age, my sister Lena, I caught her smoking smoking. In fact, I caught her first smoking with the neighbor across the street, and then she decided to try to smoke at our house, and I had to do the brotherly thing and let my father know that my sister was smoking because that's just what brothers do, right? That's what we do. And so I I went and told my dad that Lena had uh, grabbed uh, his cigarettes, and she decided to smoke on the back porch. She was in the bathroom, and she was trying to put the cigarettes out in the toilet, and uh, she tried to deny it. There was smoke. In the air, there was the cigarette butts in the toilet, and uh, my dad ended up making her eat cigarettes. Now, I don't know if I'd recommend that today, but I will say this she never smoked, I never smoked, my sister Sarah, underneath of her, underneath of me, never smoked. And when my dad uh, questioned her as to what would possess her to smoke, she looked at him and she said, Well, Dad, you do. And as far as I can remember from that day forward, my dad never smoked a cigarette again. Now, we don't always get it right as parents. But our Heavenly Father always gets it right. In fact, the Bible tells us, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5, He said, Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And we understand we are to be imitators of God. We should be motivated to live like a child of light because we are God's children, and we imitate Him or let our light shine by walking in love. Notice what the Bible goes on to say. Verse 2, it says, And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us. Now, the greatest example of God's love was demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ who was willing to give himself for us. Now, we best imitate or follow God as we love God and as we love others. Here's what 1 John chapter 4 says. It says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation, the satisfaction of all of God's righteous demands for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Which brings me to a question this morning. How is your love life? No, I'm not Ann Landers and I'm not asking you to write in. How is your love life towards the brethren? How about this morning when you came to church? getting everybody around and getting everybody here and everybody want to leave at a certain time and and getting finally in the car. How is your love life? We best imitate God by loving as He's loved. We imitate God also by presenting ourselves as living sacrifices and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, Jesus willingly gave himself for our sins. In fact, here's how uh, Paul describes it to the Galatian Christians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. You see, Jesus saved us, Not to continue to be a part of this evil world, but to be separated from this evil world. Notice what uh, John says. John described Jesus as the Lamb of God, which would take away the sins of the world. Now, offerings that were given from the best of what an offer had were said to bring a sweet savor unto God and jesus himself fulfilled that and god gave his best for us likewise we imitate jesus and act like a follower of god as we present ourselves as living sacrifices on a daily basis as we say to god god you've given me everything in the first place what i have is yours my time my talent my treasures. God, I want to love you with my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. God, here are my hands. Here are my lips. Here are my eyes. Here are my ears, God. I want them to be glorified to you. And every day I present myself to you, God. In fact, here's how Paul explains it to the Roman Christians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service it's the reasonable thing to do now I ask you this morning are you motivated to live like you're part of God's kingdom of light because you're God's child is that your motivation secondly How do we live as a child of light? We need to understand God's repudiation for sensual behavior. Now, the context in the next few verses describes sinful, self-gratifying, sensual behaviors, which are the opposite of Christ's self-giving, sacrificial love. Now, notice the list of these sensual behaviors in verse 3. But fornication, fornication would be sexual acts that are morally object, uh, objectionable and all uncleanness, immorality associated with sexual sin or covetousness, insatiability toward sex. Let it not be once named among you as becoming saints. Do not even speak of such things as a believer. Wow. Now, I didn't write it. I just recited. it. Scripturally, the gift of sex is a wonderful thing in the bound. In fact, Paul writes this uh, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have an opportunity to handshake. That doesn't mean uh, uh, we don't say hellos. That doesn't mean that or anything. What it means is it's good for a man not to have a touch that kindles a fire. And any grown man or woman knows exactly what I'm talking about. And then in verse 2, it says this. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication sexual acts that are morally objectionable, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Now, your sole reason for getting married should not be to have sex, but the Bible says if you want to uh, honor God and be within His will, if you're going to be involved in such things, it should happen within the confines of a marriage relationship. And then it says in verse 3, it says, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise also the wife unto the husband. Now, I'm going to be careful here for just a moment. Zex, as a weapon if you're a married person. Did you hear that? You're not going to give me the new kitchen table? Well, I'll show you. (laughs) Don't use it as a weapon. You are not helping your relationship, nor are you following the Word of God by doing so. Now, Proverbs explains the sexual relationship between a man and a woman, as husband and wife, this way it says... For both sides, drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. It's not talking about arrowhead water, all right? It says, let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of water in the street. Let them be thine only, and not the strangers with thee. Let thy fountains be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. Sex is a wonderful, beautiful thing within the confines of a marriage relationship, But the Bible makes it plain that all sex outside of marriage is contrary to the plan of God. Now, wouldn't we have no moral compass and indulge ourselves in fornication, sexual acts outside of a marriage, uh, and uncleanness, immoral behavior associated with sexual sin? It leads to an appetite that can only be fulfilled by continuing in those acts. The Bible calls it covetousness and insatiability to continue practicing immorality. And the Bible says that these things shouldn't even be named among us as saints. Now, fornication, this would include adultery, promiscuity, homosexuality, lesbianism, and any other form of sex that takes place outside of the covenant of marriage. Uncleanness would include pornography. Pornography. Now, did you know that the porn industry's annual revenue is more than the NFL, the NBA, and the Major League Baseball combined? Did you know that? Did you know that ABC and CBS and NBC combined do not make as much money as the porn industry? Did you know that Microsoft and Google and Amazon and eBay and Yahoo and Apple and Netflix don't make as much as the porn industry? Did you know that 30% of the entire internet is the porn industry? Did you know that? Did you know that 11 is the average age that a child is exposed to porn, and 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14, unless you think you're safe by keeping them from a computer or a laptop or a desktop, 80% of all visits to porn sites come from smartphones or tablets. Did you know that? Did you know that 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis? Did you know that? Did you know of young Christian adults 18 to 24 years of age, 76%? 76% of young Christian adults 18 to 24 years of age actively search for porn. You say, why are you talking about this? 76%. Did you know that 33% of women age 25 and under search for porn at least once a month? And 55% of married men and 25% of married women? Did you know that when asked to prioritize what people consider to be immoral, adults put not recycling pretty near the bottom of their list, teens and young adults, however, consider not recycling to be more immoral than viewing pornography? Did you know that? Now, uncleanness would include dressing or not dressing enough with the intent to attract attention to an area of your body, to be sexy, as opposed to glorifying God. Now, brother or sister, we are not our own to do what we want with our bodies. In fact, the Bible says it this way It says, What know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Uncleanness would include lusting after the opposite sex, someone who is not your spouse. Now, when you make a person an object instead of an individual, you forfeit the image that God has created them in. Now, we can't always control what we see, but we don't have to dwell on the things we're unwillingly exposed to. For example, uh, uh, the old preacher used to say, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can surely keep them from building a nest and your hair. Now, uncleanness would include watching programming, reading novels, playing games that would promote sexual immorality without censoring them. And God repudiates this. Why? Because indulging in fornication and uncleanness provokes covetousness, which is an insatiable desire that needs to be fulfilled in some way. That's why 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in sensuality it has been said, sin will take us farther than we want to go keep us longer than we want to stay and make us pay more than we ever wanted to pay then the Bible emphasizes how not to speak in regards to sexual things verse 4 it says neither filthiness talking dirty to someone who is not your spouse nor foolish talking joking about sexual matters nor jesting, making suggestive, playful innuendos that could potentially lead to immorality which are not uh, convenient or responsible, but rather giving of thanks. Don't talk, joke about, innuendo about, hint at, or revel in sexually explicit things, but thank God for what you have. Thank God for whatever state you're in. If you're single, thank God that you're, you can glorify Him in your singleness. If you're married, thank God for your wife or your husband, and glory in the fact that God has bequeathed you with a spouse. Don't take the bait. If somebody playfully uses their words to compliment you in a suggestive manner, don't do the same. Don't escalate in the back and forth. They may intentionally or unintentionally cause you harm. It can lead to a world of hurt, damaging your character, harming your family, and squelching your testimony for Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that compliments you has got uh, uh, the devil in their eyes. I was uh, at an appointment the other day, a medical appointment, and I walked in, and as soon as I walked in, I'm going to make people feel uncomfortable. The lady who was going to be directing me to the medical appointment, she looked at me, and as soon as I stepped in, she said, you are beautiful. In my face, uh, you know, I'm brown But my face got, I'm sure, red And, and I didn't know what to say I, I, And first thing, I was offended I was offended, you know, a, a dude Doesn't want to be called beautiful, all right? <laughs> Yoked, yeah Handsome, maybe But beautiful? <laughs> I'm not a stinking lily What am I? <laughs> But I felt uncomfortable And as I walked I took a step into the office The other ladies that were working in the area They all had their heads outside of where they were working And they all had the same confused look that I had on my face <laughs> I don't think she, was, she had the devil in her eyes At least from uh, the conversation from there on out It didn't seem that way But don't take the bait Now If you find yourself alone for a work function or some other situation, maybe you're traveling, you're at dinner by yourself, and someone compliments you asking if you want company for the evening, brother or sister, you tell them you're not alone. Tell them you have Jesus with you. The Bible goes on to say, for this you know, That no whoremonger, reckless, self indulgent sexual person, nor unclean person, immorally sexual person, nor covetous man, man who has an insatiable desire for sex, who is an idolater, person who has allowed sex to become their focus, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God and a kingdom of Christ and of God. You see, as we continue in sexual sin. We begin to identify more with the sin than we do with our position as believers. That's why, after each one of these descriptions, the word person is used. It is so affected who we are that it begins to change our identity, it begins to change our whole mindset. And as a child of God, we are chosen, we are accepted, we are adopted, we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're recipient of God's grace, but sexual sin can become an idol to the place where it crowds out even God. And if we continue in sexual sin, we're not demonstrating that we're we're following the light and living like a child of God. Now you may say, "Well, I have sexual needs." that need to be fulfilled. And if my partner won't fulfill them, I'm going to fulfill them somewhere. I'm single and I'm just I have needs. I have to fulfill my needs in some way. You're not an animal. You're created in the image of God. And the Bible says, "What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound?" Romans 6, "God forbid." How that we how that we are that are dead to sin live any longer therein. You see, God's intent is not that his children continue to sin and sin and sin and say, I'm going to use my grace as a license to do whatever I want. No, God's intent is that his children would allow grace to keep us from those things that are ungodly and unrighteousness and those worldly lusts and to live soberly, godly, and righteously in this present world. Unless the world tell you that this biblical thinking is archaic and outdated or intolerant, it's the same thing that Paul faced in his day. Notice what the Bible says. Let no man deceive you with vain, empty, fruitless, meaningless words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And then the Bible gives further repudiation. Repudiation. Be not you, therefore, partakers with them. Are you with me this morning? All right. Um, I'm, I'm getting ready to hit the runway here pretty soon. Now, I know talking about sex in a service is kind of cringy. But let's get on to the text here. Now, how do we live as children of light? We need to identify As living in the light. Notice what Paul says. It says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as the children of light. Now, before salvation, we were incapable of understanding the truth of God. Now, when we got saved, it was because the Holy Spirit illuminated the truth of the Word of God to us in regards to Jesus' death and Jesus' burial and Jesus' resurrection. We realized that we were sinners needing a Savior. We repented from our sins, and we, we received Jesus' payment as our own. And when we did this, we began to be, we became a child of light. We entered a new kingdom, the kingdom of light, now, history records that during the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, there was a spectacular nighttime ceremony known as the Illumination of the Temple. This event took place in the Temple Treasury before four massive golden candelabra with huge torches, as you can see in the picture. Now, it is said that the candelabra were as tall as the highest walls of the temple and that at the top of these candelabra were mounted great bowls holding 65 liters of oil. There was a ladder for each candelabra and when the evening came, healthy young priests would carry up the oil to the great bowls and, uh, and uh, they would light the protruding wicks. Now eyewitnesses said that the, the huge flames which leapt from these torches illuminated not only the temple but all of the city of Jerusalem. Now, the Mishnah, the Jewish oral tradition, tells us that men of piety and good works would would dance before the candelabra with burning torches in their hands, singing songs and praise, and countless Levites played harps and lyres and cymbals and trumpets and other instruments of music, and they celebrated. They celebrated God. Now, imagine the smell of the oil, the heat from the torches, And the shadows of perspiring, long-bearded priests as they whirled and danced uh, before their fire-dazzled throng, this exotic rite celebrated the great pillar of fire, the glorious cloud of God's presence which led the Israelites from Egypt into the wilderness and to the promised land. And these lights represented God's presence with the people. Now it was after this ceremony in the same temple treasury following the following morning with the great charred torches still in place that Jesus lifted up his voice during his ministry and proclaimed I am the light of the world the very next day and every succeeding generation of the followers of Jesus Christ are to be lights In our world. In fact, Jesus said it this way You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Lights are meant to shine, to give perspective in the darkness. And we, as believers, need to give perspective to this old, sin cursed, and dark world. In fact, the Word of God says as much. Verse 9, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. We're to ask ourselves about all of our behavior. Is my behavior acceptable unto the Lord? Is my behavior becoming of what it means to be a Christian. And then notice down in verse 11, Ephesians goes on to say, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done in secret. See, believers are to live like children of light, shining We don't participate in the deeds that unbelievers participate in. Why? Because we have the ability to see how abhorrent God sees them as. God is light, the Bible says, and in him is no darkness at all. You see, God's truth has illuminated us as to what is right and wrong. Notice verse 13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. God's truth illuminates us to what's right and wrong. It manifests what is truly dark behavior. And that's why we need to find ourselves constantly in God's truth. That's why we need to read it on a daily basis. That's why we need to commit it to our memories. That's why we need to find our church, and ourselves in church every week. Why? So we can be illuminated to the light of the truth. And then Paul gives one last instruction how to live as a child of light. Notice he gives a petition to wake up from the darkness. Now, Night knows no shame. Most of what is terrible in the world happens under the cover of darkness. Biologically, diseases flourish in the darkness. And if the earth was under total darkness, all plant life would cease because photosynthesis would not be able to take place. Light, on the other hand, exposes the things that are in the darkness. And light also helps to generate life. Now, our culture loves an open-minded, live-and-let-live mindset. They are tolerant of everything except a biblical worldview in our day. But notice what Paul challenges the church in, in verse 14. He says, Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ, shall give thee light first if you've never been born again wake up wake up god loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son jesus christ to die for your sins to die in your place wake up and receive god's gift of eternal life secondly if you are a christian god wants you to wake up to the fact that not all that glitters is gold. It's not good for you. And maybe God today wants you to reprove some things in your life. Maybe God wants you to confess some things in your life. Maybe today God would lead you to go to a husband or a wife and, and to give yourself a, a, some accountability, a share with them maybe a struggle that's been going on in your life and let them know or, or go to a close friend, an accountability partner and say, hey, listen, this is what's been going on in my life and I need to share this with you. I need to get this off my chest. I need to get this off my heart. This is ruining me. I need help maybe you need to be a part of a new program we're starting here that's explained in our bulletin a new series that is gonna meet here on a weekly basis to help people who are struggling with their thoughts but here's what we need to understand we are to reprove the things that are darkness and flee the things that are darkness and we are to walk as children of light for the Bible says We were sometimes darkness, past tense, but now are we light in the Lord. We are to walk as the children of light. We're to shine in the dark. Now, darkness. Still afraid of the dark? Let's see, we got some lights off here? All right, there we go. Now, in the Bible times, the pillar of cloud... By day, guided the children of Israel. The pillar of cloud represented the very presence of God. The pillar of fire by night represented the very presence of God. Now, when the the pillar of fire moved, the children of Israel were supposed to move. But as long as there was the pillar of fire, there was the pillar of cloud in one place, the people were supposed to stay. Here's what I want to help you understand today, this morning you are to be pillars of cloud clouds and pillars of fire to the world you are to represent the light of life that is found in the person of jesus christ notice jesus's words in matthew chapter 5 jesus said you are the light of the world a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, so it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But let me say again, they can't see the light if we're living like we're in darkness.